front-end software development has become as complex as back-end development. There was a time when front-end web development was simple. There were a small number of JavaScript frameworks and templating systems. Your CSS was simple configuration for the colors on your web page. Today, there is a giant ecosystem of front-end tools, APIs, and middleware for delivering data to the user. Gatsby is a framework based on React that allows developers to build performant web applications. Gatsby is not easy to explain. In some ways, it's like a compiler for your website. Gatsby pulls in the data that you need to build your website, including CMS data, APIs, and Markdown, and then it links that information into React components and CSS. This happens on the server, so your user gets served a website that does not require lots of round trips as your website renders for the user. Kyle Matthews and Sam Bogwat are the founders of Gatsby, and this company is based around the open-source Gatsby JS project. They joined the show to describe their vision for the framework and their vision for the company. Kyle and Sam, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. We did a show a few years back about Gatsby. Explain what purpose Gatsby serves. Gatsby is a simple way to build websites with React. So React is, you know, of course, a extremely popular, you know, JavaScript framework that's out of Facebook and has been growing incredibly fast like the last what is it now 2000 13, so like five years, six years. And yeah, and so so back in 2015, I started using React pretty early and I loved it. And then I needed to build a website for my startup at the time. And out came Gatsby as kind of kind of tied together all the different tools you need to use React for a website to make it pretty straightforward. How does Gatsby relate to GraphQL? So the initial version of, of Gatsby was pretty simple. You use like markdown files to provide kind of content to your site to create kind of like blog posts or whatever. And then you use like JSX to like build out the other pages and so forth. But what I realized and I was watching what people are using with like the initial version of Gatsby is that they had much more ambitious plans. Like they were trying to hook it up to CMSs. And so they are doing like weird stuff like writing scripts to hit APIs to pull down, to write it down into files, which then Gatsby could use to you know, build the site. And I was like, okay, that's really cool and really interesting. What if we made that way, way easier so that, you know, cause it's actually a very compelling idea, you know, that you could like hook up react easily to external data sources. Like what if we made that like really straightforward? And so the next version of Gatsby had this idea of like source plugins that you could like drop in to connect Gatsby to another third party, you know, data source. And then also GraphQL as kind of a universal API so that any data sources that you plug in, you could then query in like the exact same way across the whole thing, which is kind of like, you know, GraphQL sweet spot for kind of wrapping a bunch of external APIs. Give me a holistic overview of the typical Gatsby stack. Typical, that's, that's tough. So Gatsby is intended to be very flexible. So people use it in remarkably different ways. But I guess like some constants is, is React and, and GraphQL. And, you know, the source plugins, you know, the connect to, you know, anything that has an API, basically. The community has now created something like 350 different source plugins. So 
any sort of data you can imagine, basically, you can pull into a Gatsby site. So anything from like traditional CMSs like Drupal and CMS to, you know, kind of new new age, like headless CMSs like Contentful or Sanity or Data CMS, et cetera, to things that you don't even think of as sort of a CMS or data source or whatever you'd use for building a website. But if you kind of squint and, you know, shake your head around a little bit, it actually makes a lot of sense. So stuff like Airtable or Google Spreadsheets are great ways to build sites with. Like we actually recently created like an event page on GatsbyJS.org so that anytime, you know, somebody is running a Gatsby event anywhere in the world, we want to put that on like kind of upcoming Gatsby events and so forth. And so we just made an Airtable table and then now the our marketing team can like, you know, get submissions and put that there and then like the site rebuilds and like pulls it from the Airtable API. And it's very straightforward for the marketing team to maintain as well as to like build out the page on our side. We did a show a while ago about data connectors in the back-end context. It was mm-hmm. about ETL, basically. So a lot of people will have this kind of need where they've got Salesforce or they've got Stripe, and they want to import that data on a regular basis into their back-end so they could do database joins with that right. data. Sounds like what you're talking about is a similar concept, but for on-the-fly data loading mm-hmm. for your front-end application. Yeah, I mean, the same trends that's making, like, combining all these services relevant to backends is also kind of hitting website creation. Because, you know, 20 years ago, everyone ran their own servers. There wasn't really this idea of, like, SaaS anything. And so... You know, to build a website, to build an application, you would download the software or write the software and install it on your server and run it. And it was all kind of maintained within your own kind of platform. But the world today is there's like all these like very mature cloud services that handle most things that you want. And so the process of building a, you know, any sort of software, including websites, is more about picking the different pieces that you want and then combining them together and kind of integrating them together. And like, that's what Gatsby's goal is here is to, you know, make it really easy to say, okay, Airtable is the best place to store this data. You know, Contentful is the best place to put this data. And then we also have a Google spreadsheet that we drop in to kind of like drive this like kind of table view on this one page or whatever. And you don't have to try to like cram all the data into, you know, one CMS or some other form. Like they can live wherever they, you know, should. So just like, you know, Stripe, of course, is the obvious place to have like financial data about like transactions and whatever. And Salesforce holds, you know, a lot of like sales and marketing related data and so forth. But you don't really combine them per se like they they live there that's the source of truth but then you combine them on the fly to do whatever you need to do in your system Gatsby to me seems like a project that really resists analogy to anything else. <laughs> I mean it's very hard to like draw it like I'm trying like I'm trying to think it's like kind of like a compiler sort of uh-huh. like you know you pull except it's like pulling in all your data from your different data sources and like doing a build you know, it's kind of like an ETL tool because it's like pulling in data from external sources and transmogrifying it. So you mm-hmm. have like a readable materialized view that happens to be mm-hmm. a website. Mm-hmm. But all of these things are, it's just a not good to describe it by analogy. And I think that's one of the reasons why people who have not worked with Gatsby have trouble understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. 
What's the most common misunderstanding about Gatsby? Yeah, it's actually really funny that you say that because yeah, a lot of people do try to like jam Gatsby in a box. So like, this is the box that I want Gatsby to be in. And it's like, you know, kind of like bang it in. You're like, uh, it doesn't fit. <laughs> so I think the most common misconception and it's kind of our, you know, our mistake because <laughs> we, you know, there's this old idea of like static site generators, like, you know, been around for a while. And when I initially released Gatsby, that was kind of the idea. I was like, oh, like Gatsby is like a React static site generator. But the problem is that people have very strong preconceived notions of what a static site generator is, largely that it's static. And like that word static is our least favorite word now because like people have, yeah, they just have very strong misconceptions about what that implies about what Gatsby does. And so they think that like Gatsby can't do app-like stuff. And anyway, so the intention of calling Gatsby a static site generator was just that it like it produces static files. And so you can deploy it on a CDN. You don't need a running server to do it. But you know, it produces a React app. Like it's just like create React app or any of the other kind of React frameworks out there. It's like no different from them. It's like they're static site generators too, if you wanna like go that on that. Anyways, so yeah, so that's something we're continually trying to to kind of back out of is like, no, like Gatsby is an amazing way to create, you know, pretty much any application. So it's not just for websites, it's not just for like static content, but you can like, it's like kind of a full-fledged web framework. I always thought static site was like, that is not the best marketing no. term. Like you guys are digging yourself into a hole there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was what's funny is that I was on the, like, when V1 came out, I was on the edge of just like, nope, we're going away from this. And I was like, on Twitter, I was like, should we do that? And then there's a bunch of people that are like, no, like, keep it. It's like more, it's it's simpler to understand. Like, it's more approachable. Like, kind of like, you know, with marketing, you like want to kind of like target, like people have existing mental models and you want like, okay, it's like, it's like that, but a little bit different sort of thing. And so that, that was kind of their argument. And I was like, ah, and I was like, okay, and I went with it. But then, yeah, in, in retrospect, like about a year ago, we, we killed it off our website and GitHub, but it's like a bad disease. It just keeps coming back. We can't quite, you know, rid it out of people's minds. While we're on the subject of questionable terminology, what do you think of the term jam stack? <laughs> I think it's tasty sounding. <laughs> so the the interesting part of the you know term Jamstack is that it, it refers to a deployment paradigm. It, it refers to the idea of generating files that can then be served from a CDN, and there are very real benefits from that: security, performance. Where Jamstack maybe falls short is that it doesn't encapsulate the real modern development paradigms that have emerged over the last few years. So component-based UIs such as React and Vue. Jamstack is kind of agnostic to that, where like, really if we're thinking about the future of building for the web, the future of building for the web is frameworks like React and Vue that have a virtual DOM, that have a component model, and I would say it's just like, it's just not opinionated enough. Like, because Matt, Matt from Netlify, you know, who came up with it, it's like, he had the same, you know, problem, dilemma that we do, which is like, people think static sites and they're like, oh, that's just like very limited in what it can do. So he was looking for a name that would like kind of shift, you know, people's thinking to like something much more expansive. But yeah, it's just like, just, you know, JavaScript APIs markup is, is a very 
generic sounding because most most time when you see a stack it's like it's like more specific and like more opinionated and so that's what we're trying to do with with gatsby so it's very much like in line with the same idea but more opinionated and like how you should build stuff i guess people don't think of themselves as jamstack developers they think about themselves as react developers or Vue developers or gatsby developers or you know whatever and ultimately like i mean like people's identity tends to center around the the thing that they're building in we say people think of themselves as Gatsby developers. What does a Gatsby developer do? So a, a Gatsby developer... Use Gatsby mostly. Yeah. <laughs> but they, I mean, they still need to use Vue or React or something, right? Right, right. It's just like, it implies a further specialization within the React world, mm. basically. Because you can do a lot of stuff with Gatsby that you can't do with like vanilla React. Give me an example. I mean, just, just building a website with you know, CMS data is dramatically easier with Gatsby because React is very, like, React surface area is quite small. Like, it's like, you know, the original marketing was like, it's just the view, and that literally is still just what it is. Like, it just is like a toolkit for creating views within, you know, some sort of UI, whatever. But everything around it, like, how does the data get there? Like, how do you build the site and deploy the site and whatever? How do you you make it really fast? Yeah, how do you make it fast? Like React has zero opinions about. And so what Gatsby does is it steps in and says like, hey, we're going to take you from the great starting point that React, you know, left you at and take you all the way to the finish line so that, you know, you can just install Gatsby and you have like opinions, you know, you have something that's like going to help you ship something that's really awesome. And so a lot of people that are like, React's fun and they play around with whatever, but then they start using Gatsby and then they get tremendously excited because Gatsby gets them to that finish line. They want to ship something, you know, and they want to get something done. And React is unopinionated enough that it can be frustrating to get started with. You're the co-founders of the Gatsby company. Describe the vision for the Gatsby business. So we see the Gatsby business as really a way of sustaining the Gatsby open source community. There's been a lot of conversation around the right way of having sustainable open source communities. And there's several different models, all of which play some role. There's, you know, corporate sponsorship. There's like React, kind of the the React model coming out of Facebook. There's individual sort of heroic developers like Tobias of Webpack and Henry Zhu of of Babel that, you know, find a way of making the dollars and cents work for them to go full time or something close to it on their, their project. But, you know, open source is a tremendously valuable thing for us as developers, as engineers, because it creates great tools for us to use. The challenge with open source is the investment model of how do you maintain it and make it kind of better over time. So I think the, f- the first thing is that Gatsby as a business is, or mission is very much kind of make Gatsby the open source project better and keep make the community long lasting and make Gatsby sort of an in- enduring framework. Yeah, like 10, 15 years ago, the idea of like an open source company or commercial open source was silly, maybe. Like people are like, what does that even mean? But I think we've seen a lot of really great companies emerge over the last while that really kind of, you know, we're definitely like following in their, their kind of footpaths, you know, like Confluent and HashiCorp and Elastic and MongoDB, et cetera, MuleSoft. These are all like really great open source projects, but also, you know, have a very natural kind of business model 
tied to the open source project that kind of, it feels like, you know, done right, it can be a very virtuous cycle that the open source helps improve the business and then the business helps improve the open source and that a lot of people can benefit from both. Of those businesses you mentioned, the one that I actually don't know much about MuleSoft, but I do feel like Gatsby is probably most like MuleSoft because it's kind of middleware, mm-hmm. you know, like the uh, these other yeah, companies. Yeah. The founder of actually of MuleSoft, uh, Ross Mason, is one of our seed investors because we got in touch with him specifically because we we're like, oh, that's kind of similar. And the first time we talked to him, he was like, you guys are doing the same thing that, we, you know, that we did, <laughs> you know, type thing. So there, there's MuleSoft a lot of for websites, I think was his term. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of strong similarities there. Right. So MuleSoft, what was the term that they went to, that they were able to like, go to market with like integration or integration or something or like i yeah i don't actually not i don't remember the precise term but i mean it, they, they viewed themselves very much as like that sort of data middleware and that kind of the connector layer middleware be- between yeah. all the different you know sort of like an enterprise if this and that or zapier um, yeah because they started the yeah because the, the problem like the problem of like having data in a whole bunch of different places emerged first in the enterprise because like they created their own mess of having all these different systems. And now like stuff like MuleSoft is necessary for everyone because everyone has data, you know, kind of spread across different systems and needs to integrate it somehow. They're so like Spot and their yeah. Salesforce and their like Marketo and their on and on down the list of like, to Kyle's point earlier, enterprise SaaS products that, you know, need to have kind of workflows with data moving from place to place. What did MuleSoft sell? So like there's two ways of answering that question. The first thing is they they sold a product that let you move data from and easily integrate any kind of two systems in your sort of enterprise organization, whether that's like HubSpot and Salesforce, you know, define ways of getting data from point A to, to point B and then sort of automatically getting it. The, this, the second way of answering that is saying that they sold digital sort of transformation and letting companies decompose themselves into kind of microservices and then create kind of new products out of their like kind of create like create API driven development products. Do you know how they're did they end up as a services company mostly or did they I'd say more mostly like enterprise sales? I mean like it's Yeah, they're they're on prem for the most part. I mean they sell Okay to large companies that want to install MuleSoft in their own servers and stuff. Okay. And yeah. so but it was it is mostly open source stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. The, sort of the core of it is open source and, and like all the connectors are the connectors are kind of open source. I mean, Joseph Jacks has a great sort of series on o- open core, uh, and there, he kind of has like a hierarchy of like how much kind of closed commercial stuff is around the sort of open source core. Like you could see something like GitHub, more like okay, like Git's at the core. There's a ton of like collaboration software that's in GitHub that is not open source, right? And you know, I think MuleSoft like is very similar. Like there's kind of the the core is like this data connector piece, which is open source, but then like they've created a lot of these kind of workflow and hosted sort of tools around that. I mean, every open source company sort of makes a decision of kind of how much is open source, how much is like a hosted kind of cloud version, how much is maybe an enterprise version. I mean, these are, MuleSoft certainly answered that those in in one way. I don't think we would necessarily answer that question in in the same way. You know, but these are like, I think that there's a spectrum for open source businesses. Yeah. So these open source businesses that have found success in the past, they are historically 
I mean, this is a very short history that we have, obviously. So it's tricky to derive based off of history. But they're mostly back-end companies, right? They're like right. these huge enterprise endeavors. Like, okay, you want to get your Hadoop off the ground. We've got a ton of software to give you. We've got a ton of consultants to give you. And it's going to cost you millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Emphasis on the millions. <laughs> and so we haven't seen that on the front end yet, right? Well, that's funny. Sort of. So I would summarize all open source companies, they make their model basically from infrastructure or collaboration. So like GitHub is, is a great example. Like Git is open source, but what are you paying for? You're paying for the hosting of the Git and you're paying for the collaboration tools around Git. Because like pull requests make Git a heck of a lot nicer to use, you know, because like kind of drives like a really pleasant workflow, which, you know, has real value in companies. So like Git is open source, but GitHub is not, etc. So, you know, so yeah, so front end, like we're not going to make money. You know, it, it is hard, like as you said, to make money from the front end. But what are we offering to people commercially? We're offering infrastructure and collaboration. And then add that there's a healthy sort of tradition of businesses around website frameworks. So Automatic around WordPress and Acquia around Drupal are two of the you know best known cases, although there are several others. Yeah. Acquia was recently acquired for a billion dollars. Automatic just raised more money at a $3 billion valuation. I used to work at Pantheon, which is also Drupal WordPress hosting. Also, interestingly, they're like they do really great hosting, but they also have collaboration tools, which was kind of their real and still is kind of their one of their key distinguishing parts of their business and their product. I mean, those companies are so good because nobody ever churns. You never ever churn. Yeah, I think it's the Squarespace basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that if you think about like websites that folks are building, and this is kind of the other piece of what Gatsby is, is that the content management system of today, whether that's Drupal or WordPress or another one, is typically a monolithic application. So it glues your development toolkit with your content editing interface, with your database that's actually storing that content with a whole sort of suite of other functionality, whether that's like forms or like A-B testing, maybe personalization, maybe analytics. And then, you know, maybe you've got like, maybe it also includes like your hosting you know, maybe it's got your e-commerce functionality, right? Like the CMSs of today are very kind of monolithic stacks. And once you're in on the stack, you, you're kind of in on that stack. Whereas the way that we see the world is a much more sort of like flexible way. It's a it's yeah. kind of distributed modular CMS of mm -hmm. sorts. And Gatsby's like kind of the key orchestration mm. bit to kind of make it all run. Kind of like we're like the operating system of the distributed CMS. Mm. Yeah, we, we call it the... We call it the content mesh because like ultimately people, what people need is like, oh, hey, I've got my, you know, my, my writers want their blog in WordPress, but like maybe I've got this e-commerce thing. So I need Shopify as a backend and I need, you know, then I want to do my UI and react because, you know, I want a modern, you know, development toolkit so my developers can move quickly and gosh, now I need some way of gluing this stuff all together that works kind of out of yeah. the box. And that's like in the WordPress and Drupal, it's like. Your only option is just to keep jamming more and more stuff into the, you know, the CMS. So like WordPress, you're like, okay, WordPress, and then we'll like toss on WooCommerce and whatever. And then you have like 30 plugins doing all these different things of, you know, plugins of questionable quality and, and security and so forth. And with Gatsby, it's like, no, just like pick the best of breed third-party managed service to provide whatever functionality you need. And with Gatsby, there'll be a plugin that provides the integration and it'll be very smooth to just kind of like slot it in and do exactly what you want. 
so I, I believe you in this world, like this this oh, this you. future world of <laughs> no no seriously. As somebody who software engineering daily runs on WordPress, yeah. and look, I love WordPress, but you know, it's just it's not. I don't know how to really work it. You know, I'm a software <laughs> engineer. And I'm like, I don't want to touch this thing. Like, I don't know how it works. Yeah. It's literally how I felt. You know, when I worked on like Java monoliths. <laughs> you know, at, at a corporate job, I'm like, I don't want to trust I mean, this thing. WordPress is from a different world. Like, if you're it a software is. engineering coming up today, the LAMP stack is mysterious relic. Oh, it's yes. like old it's technology. Cobalt. You're like, whoa, like. This is what my ancestors did, you know, sort of thing. Like I, I, I started, I, I started engineering, like developing right around. It was kind of like the heyday of the land. It was like in the mid two thousands, and that was like my thing. But even, even by the late two thousands, it was like now, nah, like APIs and JavaScript web apps are already starting to like clearly seem like the future. And like early two thousand tens, that's what I switched to, and haven't touched Lamp stuff, you know, since. Yeah, I mean, there's this like area of WordPress where like you can like modify the code and it's like warning you know <laughs> it warns you like do not do this and I'm like okay I'm, you convinced me I'm just not gonna touch it let me go find a plugin that's just gonna cram even more yeah. PHP into my app like so that's why I say I totally believe in the world that you're building what I wonder is how do you make sure you capture enough value of that world? Because like in the WordPress world, it's monolithic. Like, yeah, WordPress captures it all, whether your host is automatic or it's WP Engine or whatever, like whatever Pantheon, whoever your WordPress host of choice is like that's, you know, that's who's capturing basically all the value in. Well, I would, I would actually push back a little bit against that because if you compare WordPress or Drupal versus enterprise CMSs, like the hosts are clearly capturing far less of the value than enterprise CMS does that like, you know, everything's proprietary because something like Sitecore, EpiServer, et cetera. Okay, I, mean, I don't know these they're, they're, Yeah, I mean, anyways, it's, it's a whole different world. But anyways, they sign, routinely sign, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, million dollar contracts. And so, wow. yeah. So there's a oh, lot so more you're money. potentially an there's enterprise software. You're like, an, you're not just for hipsters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly over time, right? Like part of our journey as a commercial company that's kind of, you know, again, sustaining the open source ecosystem is like starting with kind of, you know, common tools that like website teams need to use. So whether that's right now, that's preview. So the ability to see for marketers to see content before they go live. Some of the things we have on the roadmap are diving much more into a content kind of collaboration piece. And in, in many cases, like, you know, folks using Gatsby are in, in some cases in kind of more, more modern shops. In, in some cases, starting to get into these larger orgs with these kind of like huge CMS contracts and asking, looking for kind of what's the future of our like website stack. Okay, the first product is Gatsby Preview. So that, as I understand it, is... Typical workflow is, I mean, this is kind of like keying into the burgeoning freelancing contracting software development mm-hmm. world. Basically, there's this huge army of people who are out there just freelancing and maybe they're like entrepreneurs 40% of the time, freelancers 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in their freelancing work, they're building a site for somebody else and then they need to show the site to another person or like give them read-only privileges. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what Gatsby Preview is, correct? Yeah, exactly. It's like you make a change 
and you're like, should this go live? You know, maybe you want to see it yourself and like, what's it going to look like before I, you know, publish it or you want to show it to other people and get their feedback. Yeah. The whole goal is that you get that feedback immediately. And, you know, a lot of preview tools where they fall down is like the feedback loop is pretty slow. So imagine, you know, if you're developing and you change some code and it takes like two or three minutes to see you know, how it affects your, your actual running application. Like the, the feedback cycle is so slow that it takes you forever to get anything done. And what we've done with Gatsby preview is made like the feedback, like instantaneous almost. It's like within a few seconds, when you update like content in the CMS, you then see the update on the actual real website. And so that allows you to have like very kind of experimental iterative kind of approach to modifying pages. You can be like, Oh, what if I do this? You know, what if I change the title here? What if I upload this photo instead of this other photo? You know, what if I like reorder, you know, these things, elements on the page and whatever. And you can kind of go from this sort of abstract, you know, CMS content forms to like the real thing and feel kind of like feel out very quickly what's going to work and what's not going to work. Cause in a lot of ways, like editing CMS, content is kind of like coding in a way because you have this sort of abstract form that then gets like you know kind of hydrated into like the real working website and you need that immediate connection between i change this thing in the abstract form and then see what it becomes for real in, in the actual website and so we've done like a lot of work to kind of make that work with almost any data source and it's pretty cool like we have 60 customers to date so we were in open beta still uh, going live fairly soon but yeah we have 60 customers to date and like people are using it a ton and really liking it and these are mostly like freelancers or what it runs the gamut. There is like some small sites, whatever that freelancers build. There's a lot of companies that have like rebuilt their own site in Gatsby and then a need preview to kind of help everyone you know, who's hmm. maintaining the site work on it. Hmm. We're starting to see like larger enterprises like experimenting with Gatsby in a bunch of different ways. And so, you know, some of them have, you know, uh, signed up for preview as well. Of all the products you could have built first, why did you build preview? It was something that there was a very clear need for. We, you know, back when we were even before, uh, when we were just starting thinking like, oh, maybe this could be a business and just talking to Gatsby users, a very common thing people would say is like, like a developer, we talked to a developer and we like, they're like, I love Gatsby so much. It's amazing. And then you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like you built a site and you're like, yeah, that's amazing. I love the development experience. It was so smooth and the site's so amazing. And then they're like, oh yeah, there's one weird thing though, is that I introduced it to the marketing team and they hate it because <laughs> all of a sudden like they change stuff in the CMS and they can't see a preview. Like they click save and they have no idea when it's going to go live, you know? And so it's like, so Gatsby dramatically improves the developer experience and kind of the, the end user experience, but there is a clear regression in kind of the experience for kind of marketer content people. And so that's something that was on our mind from the get go. We're like, okay, like how would we, we fix that? And, and it was something that was clear that this would be a, kind of ideally suited for a cloud service that we could offer. And it would be really valuable for a lot of companies, like as we're seeing. So this is like the marketing team is managing a blog, a HubSpot blog. Yeah. And they want to be able to use the backend HubSpot blogging tool, mm -hmm. but not whatever like janky default front end the HubSpot blogging provides them. They would yeah. rather use some custom like trendy front end theme that uh -huh. is composed via Gatsby, but they're not able to preview it 
or they were not able to preview it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically it was like the developer that was like pulling it in. Right. Because they like, the, you know, they would be tasked to build a website and they're like, well, I'm going to use Gatsby because that's the best way to build a website. And then they find to their chagrin that it's like not meeting some of the needs of the marketing team. Because mm. you can think about Gatsby as like, you know, decoupling the c- code from the, the content, right? The And so the, yeah. the developers can see both the code and, and the content, but marketers you can only see the the content right and then then they're like you know system that they're used to have being the source of truth this cms is no longer the source of truth because that is just data that's being pulled into the the website the development experience and so you need you know kind of gatsby preview to then serve as that source of truth about hey this is what it actually looks like you know when you hit save this is what's going to go live you know, does that header overflow the bounds? Does yeah. So our goal, our goal with preview, and we're also working on like something to solve kind of the slow deploy time called like incremental builds. The goal is that you know people working on in the CMS, like they won't even need to notice that it's been moved to Gatsby. Like the site's been moved to be using Gatsby because you know it's like kind of like you know you have the the front end, and the back end, and our goal is just we have Gatsby be just like this perfect like drop-in replacement for existing front-ends. So like WordPress is an amazing CMS. Like people love, I mean, <laughs> maybe your experience, there's funny parts, but like the oh, actual it's amazing. There's yeah, a reason the I use it. Yeah, yeah. So the, the experience of editing, creating content is like very smooth, very polished. Like they've spent Absolutely. an enormous amount of time doing that. And there's no reason that WordPress should not still be like amazing. But, you know, WordPress is much slower. It's much more expensive. It's like the websites are slower. It's much more costly to kind of run because you have to have like running PHP and, and a database. You know, there's constant security problems, et cetera, et cetera. So, and also it's like uses like PHP templates. It's hard to do kind of modern JavaScript type, you know, app type stuff. That would be ideal. So yeah, so like WordPress front end is not nearly as nice as the WordPress back end. And the same thing is true of a lot of other CMSs. Like we're talking to like a lot of kind of traditional CMS vendors, including like all these enterprise CMS ones. And that's what they're all telling us is that like, oh yeah, we hear tons of demand to add support for like React and we're not really sure what to do. But then they see Gatsby and they're like, oh, okay, that's actually like a workable solution because they can just, you know, they they can work with us to build a really nice integration. And then development teams can just slip in Gatsby but the experience of using the CMS doesn't change for everybody. So the sites can get much faster, hosting can get much cheaper, and the velocity of development teams can be much higher because they're using kind of a modern development stack. So it's like all the benefits of the modern front end without you know, the downsides of breaking workflows for other people involved with the website. Mm. What I wonder is, again, I'm bought into the future. I'm bought into the future that you're selling me. I wonder how fast that future is coming and how big the market is today. And the reason I bring that up is because you guys raised $15 million mm-hmm. in, in a Series A, which is awesome. Congrats. I don't blame you. <laughs> but that's like a very large round. Sure. And this is kind of, I mean... Maybe you guys know the market better than I do. It seems pretty nascent. It seems hard to build. Like I would say, it's actually fairly like the the, the market is actually huge. Everybody needs a, a the website. Internet's a very very large place. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, if you think about so, if you look at the 
business analysts of the world they'll say they'll tell you that CMS is a six billion dollar a year market or ten billion dollars a year depending on how they they cut it. Our argument is that it's actually like larger because like people don't think about Shopify for example as a CMS. Shopify is a CMS. I mean, it's it's a very well and vertically integrated CMS that does everything from hosting down to all the you know e-commerce plugins that you need to kind of provide and sell your goods and handle the kind of tax implications. Um, and they've built a forty billion dollar business out of that uh, by market cap. And then when you start looking at like all the other things that like go into kind of websites, if you think about like payments, you know, A-B testing, personalization, I mean, just, you know, payments again, like Stripe by itself, like, that's like payments on a website. That's like, you know, I won't say that's like all they do because they have, they do a lot of things, but like, that's the core of what they do. And Stripe's like a $35 billion company because payments on websites is a huge, you know, problem to solve. And again, like each of these pieces of the, the website world are huge categories with like, you know, potentially large existing or potentially large businesses in them. And like, and we see Gatsby at kind of the center of all of this kind of being the thing that like glues and stitches all these things together. Yeah. I mean, there's already like roughly 60,000 Gatsby sites and, you know, we doubled in the last like five months or something, whatever. Whoa. So, you know, you extrapolate it out because of course, you know, these sort of things continue forever until every grain of sand on the earth is a Gatsby. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, it's like we're solving really core problems on the web, like performance, site performance, developer experience, and kind of making website teams more agile and flexible. And yeah, like Gatsby grows to, you know, if a significant percentage of the web is using Gatsby and a significant percentage of those sites are using our commercial cloud, you know, kind of services, then it's not hard to justify the valuation. What I wonder is why you would raise so much so fast. Like, cause there are projects that take off that have trouble capturing enough value to really build a gigantic business around it or at least to build a gigantic business around it in the time frame that is necessitated by the funding cycle mm-hmm. that they decide to buy into again I, I don't know the market super well but like you know you, i assume you could have raised like three million built out preview like you know get some revenue traction and then sort of like bide your time and then we just think everyone is clamoring for this. If you look really? at like satisfaction with CMSs, it's just plummeted in the last 10 years. It's, it's just a lot of, you know, smartphones, you know, the rise of cloud computing. It just, yeah, CMSs are just like a relic of a former kind of technological age. And people who are forced to build sites with them, which is a lot of people, don't like it. <laughs> you know, if you talked, I, I'm most familiar with the Drupal community. I used to do a lot of stuff with Drupal and like everyone there is basically like, how do I get out? You know, it's sort of their feeling. And so, yeah, I mean like, you know, the whole, the, the Mark Andreessen's original product market fit blog post, it's like great products are pulled out of teams by the market. And that's kind of just what we're feeling is like mm. everyone is clamoring for us to solve so many different problems. And we have, 
kind of the inside track to do that. Like mm. Gatsby's architecture, we think is like really proving itself out as the right way to solve all these kind of really long standing, really painful problems. And to solve them, it's really just a matter of scaling our team up to be able to tackle all of them. And so the extra funding is necessary to, you know, to do that. And you see the opportunity to build services that are high enough margin, highly differentiated enough to defend yourself from like Netlify from eating the same market, for example. I mean, I think that like we're thinking about this as collaboration tools you know, for marketers and, and content teams. I think you know, a lot of Gatsby sites run on Netlify and that's great. Like, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very large market. So again, if there's millions of Gatsby sites. It's not going to be hard to have you know, 50, 100,000 customers paying so much money or whatever, which, you know, is like, anyways, like doing the math to get to 100 million revenue isn't particularly difficult. Really? Yeah. Are the people coming to Gatsby from WordPress or are they coming to Gatsby as brand new developers from all over the place? The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the exciting thing. And, and tying back to the earlier question as well, there are so many narratives that Gatsby hooks up into. There are folks in WordPress who are looking, who you know feel like the WordPress front end is outmoded and are looking for headless WordPress. There's folks in the Drupal community who are looking for like decoupled Drupal and the they don't like the sort of the new Drupal templating language and are looking for an alternative there. You know, there's folks in more of kind of the modern front end development community folks who are like more experienced with you know Babel and webpack and these kinds of tools but are looking for a nice thing to kind of encapsulate it and you know pull in data from content and like just they're like to nice. like i do react i want to build a website looks at wordpress uh, and then they like find gatsby like okay this is much nicer and then they roll with that and then there's like you know down the list of you know down the list of e-commerce focused cms is like shopify enterprise focused cms is like the you know ones that we were mentioning earlier like there's the web is such a diverse place and everyone in every corner like almost every corner of the web is looking to modernize their front end <laughs> stack and they're looking to react and then they're asking well how do i how do i use react and then the answer for almost everyone then is, is like Gatsby is the solution for you. How'd you guys meet? Kyle moved to Palo Alto. I was finishing up school and this is like 2011. Yeah. Thereabouts. Yeah. I can't believe it's, it yeah. feels, it feels such a recent <laughs> time, but I guess it has been kind of eight years. So we, I mean, yeah, we just, we got to be really close friends and found ourselves like having lots of really like long, random conversations off the wall on abstract <laughs> philosophical questions and what is life what is a soap bottle soap soap bottle bubble there we go. sorry but it, i mean like just as our lives kind of went along i got married in 2014 and kyle was my best man kyle got married later his best man yeah it was just when like gatsby was obviously doing well and i was like we were like hmm maybe because, yeah, we're both very interested in startups. Like, we both worked at startups, tried our own stuff. So we were like, Gatsby's a very interesting, compelling idea that, you know, kind of met both of our kind of personal goals and, and interests. And so, yeah, it kind of was a natural fit. And it was kind of interesting. Like, we never, like, worked work together, but we are like, I don't know. We get along really well as friends. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and it's worked, yeah, it's really, worked really incredibly well. well. Yeah. I mean, the, the most, like the most challenging thing with uh, founding a company with a, 
co-founder in general is that like you know kind of staying on the same mental wavelength and like you know, people who have very different philosophical ideas of how to do things often struggle with like you know kind of agreeing on like the direction of a company and then like you know if the company tries to scale they'll be like well you know this the first co-founder says to do this but the other co-founder says to do that and that can be just challenging for everywhere and be like because kyle and i have just been so close friends and like think about the world in very similar ways mm -hmm. we you know 95 percent of the time will answer the same question the same way which is like just very like helpful when trying to like go build and scale something great mm -hmm. you mentioned Airtable once already how does gatsby intersect with the low code or no code category of software well one is you write a lot less code with gatsby because the plugin ecosystem is massive already. Like we have like almost 1400 plugins now for Gatsby and it's doubling every like six months or something, I think like that at the current rate. So yeah, and in the Drupal world, you know, they, they call their extensions like modules. So the, you know, it was like, there's a module for that, you know, sort of the, the little catchphrase in the Drupal community. And like, we're, we're kind of getting to that same point that almost anything you want to do, it's like install a plugin and add an API key and then off you go. So that saves enormous amount of time in code. So, you know, it's like Gatsby allows you to just focus on kind of the core parts of your site, which is, you know, the React components, the views, and then like how the data gets maintained and how it gets into the site is managed by another service. So I think that's that's like a huge part of Gatsby's success is people, because you, you can waste hours like reading API documentation and like figuring out how to like do stuff and making it performant. And, you know, you, you hit like the API rate limiting, you're like, oh crap. And, you know, you have to add an extra code for that and on and on and on and on. And with Gatsby, it's like, well, somebody else already debugged that and figured that out and you just install the plugin and off you go. So that's like a huge time saving and saves a lot of code. But yeah, I mean, a lot of like the quote unquote, no code, low code folks, they're interested in building UIs through kind of visual programming type stuff. And we think there's enormous amount of value in that as well. Like we've seen the success of like Wix and Squarespace, you know, Wix went public, Squarespace is preparing to go public and like, you know, Webflow is of course doing really well. And so that's like something that we're very interested in as well. And we think that there's like a natural complement to Gatsby where you can say, what if you know, you could take your website and your React components, but build a page builder type, you know, experience on top of that for the non-technical folks who are involved in the website. And we, we think that'd be like a really compelling experience because, you know, where all these like no code things break down is like, well, what do you do when you do need code? <laughs> what if you want to build a custom widget, you know, that isn't provided by the platform? Or, or what if you have like this theme system that's maintained some other thing and you want to like merge the two together or whatever? And like, you're, you're going to need code at some point. But we think that the right approach is to have a code foundational layer and then build interfaces for, you know, non-technical folks on top of that to kind of manipulate the website in a way that's like natural for them. What's been the hardest part of building the company so far? Building the company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, building a company is really, it's like finding great people, you know, helping them find a place within the company and helping people communicate and work well together. And yeah, that's, that's, that's really difficult. It's a great, it's a really hard challenge for, you know, any company. And, you know, like we've definitely had our struggles along the way. But yeah, it's also really rewarding to part of it as well. Just, you know, because when you do, you help, 
a team like really start thriving, it's like a really unique experience to see them just like completely take over, you know, a big chunk of the work and own it and run with it and do things that, you know, we, we hadn't really ever thought about and so forth. So can you guys give me some pieces of cutting edge front end technology? Cause I swear every time I take my eye off the front end and then pay attention to it again, there's like eight new projects that I like am not familiar with like CSS fire and I'm like I don't know what that is like what does that do so what's what's with the front end these days like give me some like crazy cutting edge related you know react stuff that's at the you know in the the jam stack world I would say my top three are so this isn't like new per se, but it's new news related to that, which like the React team for the last few years has been working on kind of making React a lot smarter about how it renders in the front end like really complicated UIs. Because you know when you have a lot of stuff going on, it's very easy for a complex UI to like start blocking input. So for example, like you're like trying to type an input box. In the meantime, like, you know, data updates are coming from the back end and like triggering re-renders and it can get like glitchy or something pretty easily. And so they've developed a really just incredible kind of groundbreaking technology that as they call it like concurrency mode or whatever, where, you know, nothing blocks each other. It's just sort of like everything is like, there's like prioritization so that the highest priority stuff can interrupt other work and the lower prioritization work will wait for the higher priority work to finish before resuming itself. And it's very much like an operating system, what operating system does because they have the same sort of problems where it's like you have, you know, a CPU and memory, but there's all sorts of things that want that. And like you could have some sort of little low level program, just grab all of it and like suck everything. So operating systems sort of like say, Hey, no, like we're prioritizing user related stuff so that we have like a, you know, the user has a smooth experience and then sort of coordinating between all these different stuff going on. And like the modern front end is really turning into this sort of complex, like application world, you know, you have like all these components are almost like little mini apps, you know, like working together and react is turning into like the operating system for all the mini components, you know, doing stuff, which is like really, really fascinating to kind of see computer science, like repeat itself. (laughs) And, you know, it's like Mark Andreessen was like, you know, back in the nineties, like Mozilla is going to be the new operating system. And in a way, like the browser is sort of like it's almost like a new hardware and then like react is becoming like the new operating system sort of thing, which is like fascinating in a lot of it, in a lot of ways. So that's really interesting. I'm hugely excited about that. And like, we'll, we'll be able to leverage that for a lot of interesting stuff within Gatsby. Another big thing is just like how we manage state because, you know, JavaScript application is kind of like client server architecture and syncing data back and forth between the two is a complicated problem. And for a lot of teams ends up sucking up a lot of time, just trying to like optimize that. And there's more and more sophisticated ways that are coming out to do that. React work is they're, they're working on some like low level helpers to make that a lot nicer. Facebook keeps working on like Relay, which is their client library for GraphQL. Apollo is doing a lot of interesting work in, in kind of similar vein around GraphQL. And so that's super fascinating. Something we're, we're actually investing really heavily in, which we think has enormous potential, is just the idea of like, how do you theme your front end and like kind of create design systems with constraints so that all of your UI ends up being predictably good. 
I guess, because a common problem is that, you know, designs kind of diverge from each other in weird ways. Cause like, you know, front end developers like, Hey, build this. And it's not really spec'd out too closely. And they just like start building away. And then it looks strange compared to other parts of it. Cause they, they chose slightly different spacing, you know, values. So it's like, well, this one's, you know, they did like eight pixels instead of 10 pixels elsewhere on the app. And then you're like clicking around and you're like, it just has this like weird inconsistency feeling to it. And so this whole idea of like constraint-based design systems prevent that because they kind of abstract a little bit away from like the raw pixel values and like give you, you know, like a spacing of one or spacing of two or spacing of three, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of systems are approaching this in different ways. And a couple members of our team, John Otander and Brent Jackson, they headed by Brent Jackson anyways, is building something called Theme UI, which kind of bakes all this in into like a really kind of comprehensive package that anyways, a lot of people are really excited about. I'm super excited about that. It's kind of like a way to solve styling in a really comprehensive way for kind of websites and applications. And this is also something like all very applicable to Gatsby too, because like one of the promises of Gatsby to large organizations is, you know, building lots of sites and then with Gatsby and then maintaining consistency across them. And something like theme UI is really essential because like, what if you're IBM and you have, you know, very strict brand guidelines and whatever. Wow. Like every team. That's a huge problem. Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Every team is like trying to do that. And like, sometimes they succeed well, sometimes they don't. And it's a very frustrating thing for a lot of companies to sort of like keep everyone on the same page. And then oh, what yeah. example you, you change from one flavor of blue to a slightly different flavor of blue. Like how do you update every website? And like what these kind of constraint-based design systems allow you to do is kind of specify all this stuff and like one centralized team kind of maintains it all, but it's like constraints. So it's like, it gives you flexibility like within certain constraints and how you build it. So it's like, if you're doing something custom, you're not like, well, too bad, you know, you can't do that. It's like, okay, you still have the flexibility to like do things, but it's constrained enough that it's like recognizably IBM still at that point. And so, yeah, this, this is like a huge longstanding problem. And we're pretty hopeful that we're onto something that's like actually cracks it in a way that no, no other solution really has. In general, like, like another kind of related way of thinking about these questions is that we really view HTML and, and CSS and, and, and JavaScript as in many ways becoming more of compiled targets than things to kind of write code in. And this kind of follows the pattern of programming languages over time, just becoming more and more high level. Yeah, we started with assembly, which was like, you know, very raw. And then we we're like, wait a second, we can build programming languages which have, you know, infinite number of abstractions and then just translate that down into, you know, the raw thing. And so once you have like a compiler, you have the flexibility to create more like abstractions that are, are, are more aligned with what we're actually trying to do. You know, instead of being like, you must write the same HTML or CSS value across everything or else it'll break. It's just like, well, I don't know, just say, you know, IBM blue and then it works, which is a much more felicitous uh, way of doing things. What you mentioned about React becoming the operating system, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like you look at, Apple, I mean, I'm, we're, I'm recording this on a MacBook right now, but Apple's kind of like the WordPress of 
the tech industry. It's like, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all using this like big monolithic operating system and we just have a bunch of Chrome tabs open on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and, and I've got my Chromebook and I'm like, this keyboard is not great. You know, it's like not as good, but I can, to me, it seems easier for Chrome to build hardware than for Apple to build like AI and good cloud services. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, React is really building the best and the most modular front-end technology. Google doesn't really seem... I mean, you've got the Android and Chrome thing, like maybe that gets unified over time or something. It'll be interesting to see how that operating system war shakes out between Facebook and Google, Mm because that seems like... That's the next... Like React versus Angular? It's not exactly React versus Angular. It's just Google versus Facebook. I mean, it's a React versus all of Google's technology. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like, you know, historically we moved between more modular technologies and more integrated technologies. You know, during the 80s and, and 90s, we saw a transition from like these monolithic mainframes and mini computers to Windows kind of driven world with like these like very defined interfaces for like, hey, I need a graphics card here or I need like a motherboard there and like c- computers that were kind of assembled from that. Like obviously Apple's kind of a shift you know, back towards the more integrated world. I think that that plays out in a number of different areas and aspects. I think, you know, with React and the front end and the kind of the browser world, there definitely is that shift back to towards kind of modularity. And it's very kind of exciting. We kind of think that's a good thing. Certainly for you. And I would say for the public in general. I mean, I, I feel that way. Guys, thanks for coming back on the show. It's been really great talking. Well, Sam, your first time. We didn't talk very much. You'll have to come back on at some point. We'll have to do a one-on-one show. You deferred too much to your co-founder, which is a good sign. We're on the same page a lot of the time. It's great being here. Jeff, thanks for having us, and we really enjoyed it. All right, great. It's really fun.